not very familiar passage. Many of you could quote it. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It's so familiar that we pass over it. It's such a familiar verse when you watch a football game, you'll see it in the stands. Somebody will have John 3.16 that they're holding up. Maybe a sign in somebody's yard or on a billboard on the side of the highway. If you travel, you'll see this verse. Very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a verse. And when we, we read this verse, oftentimes, or even quote it, we think about salvation, and salvation is a core focus of this verse. But if you're saved, there's a whole lot more there. It's not just salvation, and I'm not minimizing salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you pass from this world, that you will go to heaven. The, the most important thing you need to do is trust Christ as your Savior. You need to get saved. You need to have a spiritual birthday just like you have a physical birthday. Uh, we've got a few people here this morning that it's their birthday today. Uh, and uh, with that, they were born into this world. There was a, a physical birth. But then there, there has to be a spiritual birth. Later in John, Jesus said, Marvel not, or earlier he said, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. So salvation is all through John 3.16. But it goes so much deeper than the surface of salvation. I've made the statement before, salvation is more than being saved. It was a sermon that was was uh, preached back in the early 90s. Uh, salvation is more than being saved. And, and, and the truths that uh, are there are so deep. This morning, I want to speak to you out of John 3.16, that being the foundation, a place for finding answers. place for finding answers. You know, there are a lot of questions in life, aren't there? And there are a lot of answers in life. And not all the answers are the right answers. But let me tell you, John 3.16 is a place to find some answers. A place for finding answers. Father, I pray that you'd bless now in this time. May the Spirit of God take your word and work in the hearts of these people, those that are here in person, those that are watching online. May each of us be helped this morning through this passage. 
I pray that we would find some answers, some direction in our life. Because without you, Lord, we, we are going to flounder. And I pray that you would help these people, please. For Christ's sake, amen. You know, some of the answers that are brought up in, in life, and the world has all kinds of answers, but they are based on the wrong premise or the wrong question. And we have questions in life, but trying to have a question and also get a right answer is so vital. I wish I could say that I've always come up with the right answers. And oftentimes when I make the wrong decision, I came up with the wrong answer. It was because I was asking the wrong questions. When I was in college, uh, I, I had to take this class. It was called English 100. Does anybody know what I'm talking about there? All right. You see, English 100 was for those that didn't learn uh, the eight parts of speech that they taught in second grade. All right. So if I'd have been a good student going through school, I would not have had to take English 100. But I did not have a foundation in English. And when I took my college entrance exams, uh, I failed miserably when it came to English. And so I got to pay for a class that you get no credit for. Uh, and I was not the greatest student in school, so I went to, I, I sat in the front row of every class that I took all through college. And so I was sitting up front and uh, the teacher in English 100, the very first day of class, uh, she's standing there and I'm sitting right in front of her. Uh, and she says, if I were to tell you that I did not know what a preposition was, what would you tell me? And then she locked eyes with me. I looked back at her and I said, I'd tell you, you're not the only one. <laughs> and what I found was, is I was going through and breaking down and learning the eight parts of speech and trying to differentiate between the adverbs and the adjectives. Each one had a different set of questions. And when you ask the right question, you could get the right answer. You know what? I had to learn what questions went with which scenario. You know, when it comes to life, everything begins with God. It begins with God. If you don't start with God, you are not going to come up with the right answers. Come on now. How many of you have made some of the wrong decisions? Why? Because we started with the wrong premise. And when we don't have the foundation right, uh, it will impact every one of the answers, the decisions uh, that we come, with, uh, come up with. Why am I here? And what is my purpose? And what should I do? And will I ever be happy and fulfilled? What is it that is going to make me happy? You know, if I have the wrong questions... I'm not going to come up with the wrong answers. For us, we have got to learn how to have the right foundation. You know what? What I've found out as a believer 
It's just because I'm saved doesn't mean I've got everything right on my foundation. Have you ever grabbed on to some philosophies of the world and you hung on to them just because that's what you heard and thought? And, and even though you were saved, you were still hold, holding on to the wrong foundation. And as believers, we've got to really assess where are we in life? Because I, I want to find answers. I want to have answers to life's questions. And God wants us to have answers as well. Someone once said, the heart of education is the education of the heart. And we have to be uh, willing to learn and to grow. Uh, there was a, uh, a man who had uh, been a, uh, he was a, uh, uh, a journalist. And he ended up getting a, a very rare form of leukemia. And it was such an atypical type of uh, leukemia, they had to come up with a new name because there was not even a diagnosis for this style of leukemia. Uh, and it was one that when the leukemia was active, you usually had less than 12 weeks. It was a very serious uh, leukemia. They did not have treatments for it, but it would flare up. And then uh, this man here that, that uh, went through all of these testings, uh, they decided that he had this very rare form of leukemia, uh, but they, had, uh, they told him that he was probably going to have a very short period of time to live. But that leukemia went into, uh, into a um, Remission, there we go. That was the right word, thank you. Uh, and so anyway, as he was talking with his doctor and he was giving his doctor all of his thoughts about what the future held and what uh, po possible treatments and they were discussing all of this, the doctor looked back at this man uh, and his name was Alsop. Uh, it was his last name and uh, Stuart Alsop. And, he, and, he, and the doctor said, you're forgetting something. He said, what am I forgetting? He says, you are forgetting God. You know, in the equations of life, we can come up with our own ideas. We can come up with as many thoughts of how we should do, how we should live, what we should do to get ourselves out of our spot. Let's not forget God. Forget, let's not forget God. So here when we look at our, uh, at our text verse this morning, uh, in life's quest, we have to realize that all of the answers begin with God. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. So what are some of the answers, Find a place for finding answers? Number one, uh, a place for finding answers because most people are seeking this one thing above everything else. It's called love. Love. A place for finding answers. Love. God loves you. You get that this morning? God loves you. 
out of the 7.2 or 4 billion people that are on the planet, God loves you. I, I just made eye contact with Brother Josh. I don't get it. I don't know why God loves him, but he does. Uh, no, God loves you. It's not that God just loves the world. God loves you. You know, stop and think about what people do to get love. They are willing to do anything. They are willing to devalue their self. They are willing to give up their dignity. They are willing to give up their possessions. They are willing to give up everything that has real meaning and value, all for this thing called love. You know what? John 3.16 tells us that God loves us. God loves you. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. You don't know what I've become. It doesn't matter. God loves you. How many of you have children this morning? All right. Your, your child, do you love your child? Miss, Miss Robin didn't raise her hand, so uh, she's sitting right next to her daughter. I'm not quite sure how that made Sarah feel, but uh, and anyway, uh, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have children. Is there anything that would cause you not to love your child? No. They could disappoint you. They could they could hurt you, but that love that you have as a parent for a child, it will never be removed. And let me tell you something. There is a God in heaven who loves you today. We just need to stop and revel in the fact that God loves me. Let's say that together. You ready? God loves me. Say that again. God loves me. Do you believe it? It's one thing to say it, it's something else to believe it. But if you will get a hold of this thing that God loves you, it will change your life. It'll change your life. It will change your relationship with God. You say, my, my relationship with God just seems so distant right now. It just seems like there's not a connection. You get a hold of the fact that God loves you, and let me tell you, it will change how you feel about God. Because he loves you this morning. He loves you. God loves everybody. God loves the lovely. God loves the unlovable that we would think is unlovable. God is love. Uh, the love that God has for the world and the love that God has uh, for the individual. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. God loves you. Uh, and God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and he was willing to go to the cross and die for you and for me and for the whole world. What an amazing love. This love is not because of the value of man, but because of the character of God. If you're seeking love this morning, don't seek it from somebody. Seek it from Him. If Deb, as much as I love Deb, but if Deb sought 
love based on me, she is going to miss out on real love. Because nobody can love her like God can love her. God will never fail. And when we have the foundation of love, God's love, it helps us identify other love. You have something to base it on. You have the real. You have the true. Years ago, I had taken the offering down to the, uh, to the bank, and I was there, and the cashier was going through the cash, and she was counting it all out. Uh, she's running through it, da, 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 and she threw a bill back at me and said, counterfeit, and kept on going. And I was like, what? Grabbed the money, and I pulled it over, and I grabbed it. And so, I, I mean, it's just as quick as she, I mean, she was, she just had a handful of bills, and she, 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 she counterfeit, she, 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 kept on going, didn't even stop, didn't blink an eye. Uh, and I grabbed it, and she finished counting, and I said, counterfeit? She says, yeah, that's counterfeit. And she had handled so much of the real thing. As soon as her hands touched the counterfeit, she knew it wasn't real. Let me tell you, you want real love in your life, it begins with God. There's a lot of counterfeit love. There is a lot of selfish love. There's a lot of love that is based on what you are going to give me or what I can extort from you or take from you. But let me tell you something, the love that God has is real. It is pure. It is not a counterfeit. And so, love, a place uh, to find answers. Uh, if you're seeking love, quit seeking that love in someone else. Uh, where do I find true love? You find it in God. For God so loved the world. He loves. A place for finding answers, number two, acceptance. You know, I thought peer pressure was something only for kids. But it's not just kids, is it? Every one of us have a very real need for love, but we also have a very real need for acceptance. We need to be a part You know, when we come back to asking those questions and coming up with the wrong answers, if we don't start with God, just like people will do anything to, to gain what they think is love, they will also do anything to gain this thing called acceptance. Let me tell you something. You are accepted in God. You're accepted in God. There isn't anything we have to do to be loved by God, and there isn't anything we have to do to be accepted by God. Now, I can do things that would be displeasing to the Lord, and He is going to chasten every son whom He receiveth, 
There's discipline that comes, but that does not change my position in Christ. You see, John 3.16, great place to go for salvation, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, it goes deeper. It's a place to find love. It is a place to find acceptance. In August of 96, there was a family, a Florida family that came home to find their 12-year-old son hanging in a tree. And there was a lot of mystery trying to figure out what it was that caused him. But he just started a new school. And he had a conversation. I guess he was overweight. And because of his being overweight and the cruelty of kids... He was fearful of going to school. And he went to school. And kids were cruel. Not having acceptance. That little boy responded in a way, of course, that's not the right way. There are people that will help. Let me tell you something. This morning, you get to a place where you feel like you're without hope. You find someone and you talk to somebody. You say, nobody cares. You got a pastor right here who cares. There are people all around you that care. You say, I don't even, they don't even know my name. They care enough to help you. Absolutely. But this little boy, he was not accepted. You know, in life, I wish, I wish it was just the kids that were cruel. But it's not, is it? It's not just the kids that might pick on somebody. When I was younger, we used to raise animals. We used to raise chickens. Ugh, they're so foul. And, but with those chickens, you know, what we would find is if one got sick, one had a sore on it, the chickens would start to peck at that other chicken. And pretty soon, all of them would be pecking at that chicken and literally kill it. They were cannibalistic. So if you saw something going on, you had to catch that chicken and you had to pull it out and get it out of that environment so it wouldn't be killed, injured so deeply. You know, adults, we want acceptance. We can put that, that hard shell on, I don't care what anybody else thinks, liar. You care. Sticks and stones can break my, whatever. Boy, words hurt. Being shunned hurts. It hurts. Acceptance. 
we might not feel accepted in different groups. Let me tell you something. You are accepted in God. You're accepted in Him. And to be honest, if He accepts you, who cares? Who cares if Brother Josh likes you or not? It doesn't matter. I mean, if God accepts, God loves me and God accepts me, that, that affirmation, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that ability to have that, uh, that acceptance is so important. Uh, and there are people that have experienced the uh, not being accepted and the hurt that comes from it. Maybe it's because of your looks or your nationality or your skin color. Maybe education or lack of education. Uh, maybe your talents and abilities. Maybe your financial status. Maybe you've been rejected by uh, the, your peers. Let me tell you something. When you come to church, you're accepted. You're accepted. You know, church is a, is a hospital. It's not a museum. It's not a place to show off how good we are. It's a place where we all can come to get help because we all need it. And let's not get our pharisaical noses up in the air and look down at other people. Uh, somebody else uh, has, has fallen or somebody else has made bad decisions. Let me tell you, it's just by God's grace. And God is a forgiving God and a loving God and an accepting God, and we need to come to Him. Uh, and so the, gr the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Uh, we look at, at, there's no hierarchy there. You know what we find? We go to the, the, to the, the lineage of the Savior. And in the lineage of the Savior, we have kings and we have the common men and women. We have a prostitute listed, and then we have the Virgin Mary listed. God accepts everybody where you're at. That doesn't mean that he wants us to stay where we're at. But he accepts us. The Lord loves and he accepts we desire to be loved. We desire to be accepted. Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a lively living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up uh, a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. You know, we are accepted to God because of Christ. Go back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. I can find salvation, but I find love there. I find acceptance there. A place to find answers. Thirdly, a place to find forgiveness. Wouldn't it be good if we didn't ever need to be forgiven. A man once said, uh, Charles Wesley was preaching a sermon, and as he finished the sermon, and he is greeting people out the door, 
And obviously, he must have preached on forgiveness. This man looked at that, uh, uh, who did I just say? Charles Wesley, yes. Uh, And he looked at Charles Wesley and said, I never forgive anyone. Charles Wesley looked back at him and said, then you better never sin. Boy, we want forgiveness. But we also have to be willing to give it. When we come to John 3.16, what can we find? We can find forgiveness. We find forgiveness by the one that really matters. You know, if Daniel doesn't forgive me, or if Brother Brian doesn't forgive me, or if Ken doesn't forgive me, or if Rachel or Stephen didn't forgive me, that would, that would hurt. But if God didn't forgive me, John 3.16, you know what we find? We find forgiveness. We find forgiveness from really the only one that matters when it comes to forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness for eternity, eternity's sake. We're talking about forgiveness for our relationship's sake with God because we fall short. We find forgiveness. Every sin that we have ever committed, God has already forgiven. Isn't that amazing? The sins you have yet to commit, He has already forgiven. I mean, how many of our sins were in the future when He died on the cross? All of them. And when you got saved, your sins were all forgiven. Now, if you're here this morning and if you've not accepted Christ, you are still, the Bible says, dead in trespasses and sins. Your consequence is still there. But if you're a child of God this morning, your sins, uh, they, they have been forgiven. Every sin that you have committed, every good thing that you have omitted, every unholy thought, every unkind deed, God is a forgiving God. For time's sake, we won't go there, but in John 8, 1 through 11, we find the interaction of Jesus with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And we see his forgiveness as he dealt with her, his compassion, his love. You know, the Lord is just, is just as loving, accepting, and forgiving as he was 2,000 years ago. He hasn't changed. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. The doctrine of immutability that God never changes. Psalm 103, 1 to 4 tells of God's forgiveness. Man was telling his friend about an argument that he had with his wife. And he said, every time I have an argument with my wife, she gets historical. 
And the guy looked at him and said, historical, what are you talking about? You mean hysterical. He said, no, I mean historical. She brings up everything that I have ever done and reminds me about it. My wife's memory is so good, she remembers things I never did. But God is a God who is forgiving, and not only does he forgive, he forgets. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He buries them in the deepest sea. He's a forgiving God. Clara Barton was the one who started the American Red Cross. She had been injured years prior by some attacks of people and one of her friends began to talk to her and she started talking about this, this injury that she had had and Clara Barton looked back at it and, and she, was, she was looking like she didn't remember and the girl said, don't you remember what I'm talking about? Clara Barton looked back at her and says, no, I clearly remember forgetting that. I clearly remember forgetting. You know, God has chosen to forgive. It's a decision. You and I, we have the ability to forgive, but it's not our ability. It's got to be in Him. And He can allow us and help us uh, to forgive. In, 19, or in 1849, they said that there were 10,000 street urchins in London. 10,000. They were also called street Arabs at that point. I'm not quite sure where the term came in. But 10,000 homeless boys and girls, they were of the roughest stripe. A huge menace in society. They were they were thieves, they were prostitutes, they were everything that they had to do just to survive. And let me say, no child should ever have to be in that spot. It was a plague on society, but it was a plague of society that allowed that to become the case. But these little boys and girls, they went through so much, living and trying to survive on the streets of London. One Christian man was walking along the street and he saw a little boy and something in him stirred and pulled that little boy aside and said, would you like to have a home? The little boy looked at him and said, yes, I would love to have a home. He wrote down an address and he said, I want you to find this address. Go to this house. When, they, when you knock on the door, I don't want you to tell them anything else but John 3.16. And he rehearsed it again with this little boy and sent him on his way. And the little boy went and found himself in a well-to-do area of town. He looks at the address, looks at the house. This is the right place. He walks up to the house and knocks on the door and a butler comes and answers the door. What can I do for you? The little boy stammered 
hesitantly. John 3.16. The man looked at him again. What did you say? John 3.16. The man opened the door and said, come on in. He comes in and looks at this little boy and he said, would you like something to eat? And the boy's looking around at this house and he's thinking, I don't want to mess this up. Would you like something to eat? He looks back up at that man. John 3.16. Man goes and gets him some food. He eats this meal and it's been a long time since his stomach has been full. Man looks at him and says, would you like a bath? The boy looks at his hands, the grime, clothing that has been unwashed, filth of just survival. John, John 3.16. And he took him upstairs and put him in the bathroom and gave him a place, a bath to clean up and brought him in some pajamas and he looks at the little boy and he says, would you like a warm bed? Little boy is getting a little bit, he just can't believe all that's going on. Looks at him again and says, John 3.16. He puts him in his room, a warm bed and closes the door. Little boy looks around all that he has experienced in his last few hours. And he says, imagine, all because of you. Christian, there is so much for us because of God's love. Whew. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior is mine. And it is all because of John 3.16. Everything that we have from the Father is because of the Son. It is because of His willingness to go and to come to this earth and die on the cross and purchase a gift of salvation, a gift that will has forgiven every sin that we've ever committed or will yet to commit, uh, the salvation that has given us a new life, the salvation that changes everything, not just our eternal destiny, it changes our whole life even now. John 3.16, place for finding answers. Are you saved this morning? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven? If you're saved, keep going back to John 3.16 because you, you'll keep finding answers. Keep coming back to the place that opened it all up for you. That day where you realize your need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ was that Savior. And all that the Father has for us, we are now heirs because of John 3.16. Place for finding answers. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, as I look around, I don't know who's saved and who is unsaved. But Lord, I love these people and I pray that you would help them today. 
Lord, those that are unsaved, I pray that they would come and recognize their need for a Savior and help them not to be fearful about uh, coming and trusting you. Those that are saved and maybe we have wandered and maybe we have gotten off track, I pray that you just draw us back to yourself and may you work in our lives. Lord, thank you for being such a wonderful God and help us, Lord, as we uh, live down here on this earth to find the answers. Uh, and Lord, we have to come to you to get them. And so I pray that you'd give us wisdom and guidance. Speak to hearts now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen.